Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward. I'm your host, Richard Reddy, but my friends call me Spanners, so let's be friends. The Joe Show is a few days earlier than advertised by Uncle Steve on Sunday's show because this Sunday we're going to have a live mailbag show with me, Chris, and Matt, and Matthew Summerfield, Summers F1. So get your questions and comments to us via feedback at mistapex.net. All F1 topics, not just tech. I want to find out what Summers thinks about things beyond aero and tyre squirt. But today, we have with us the most experienced motorsport journalist in the entire universe who has attended every race since 1884. It is, of course, Joe Sayward. How's it going, Joe? Um, I'm feeling old after that introduction, yeah. 1988. You've been to every Yes, And in yeah. that time, can you wander freely round a, a racetrack? Do you ever venture beyond the press office? Uh, I can do if I wish to, but most of the tracks I've been to, normally what happens with a new track is that I will go out on a Thursday and walk the track. Ah. And here's a little, here's a little secret. I always walk the tracks in reverse. Oh. Why? You know why? No. Because everybody else is walking it the other way, so you get to meet everybody. <laughs> That's a good trick. <laughs> so you get to basically ambush the, the team. Well, you don't need to ambush them. You just greet them in a friendly fashion and say, what do you think of it? And have a chat. And I meet all kinds of people that way. But if you go the same way as everybody else, you know, you just you just follow the same people all the way and you don't meet anybody. So I just started doing that years ago and it's very clever. I want to know about the these track walks now because you have like people, some people can't be bothered at all. So isn't it Ricardo says he doesn't like doing the track walks and Verstappen doesn't like them either. Um, do, do, you, do you sort of see what the guys are up to while they're out there trying to suss things out? Do you see what they're looking for? Not really. I mean, they know all these things from Sims and all the rest mm. of it, but they're looking for, you know, things like um, the curbs. You, they spend a lot of time looking at curbs, actually, and, uh, and line, lines of sight and this sort of stuff. 
um, and probably a few cambers as well. But you, you know, most of the Sims have got this stuff in it already. But you know, it's just a, a sense of also, you know, identifying breakpoints because some of the Sims may not have them exactly up to date. This kind of stuff. So, um, oh, it's true. Yeah. I mean, Sims can only be up to date to a certain extent. And year by year, these things change. And things like in, was it in Australia where uh, uh, Ricardo ended up going off track a little bit and hitting a drain cover? You know, things like that. If he'd have gone on the track walk, he might have picked that up. Like, where can I do a cheeky overtake offline? Well, I think the drain cover thing is, um, yeah, I mean, I don't suppose they're going inspecting the drain covers. That's the safety people who do that. But they do occasionally come up, which just gives you an idea of the the power of the Formula One car when they bust the welds. Hoover it up. <laughs> Yeah. And Hoover, yeah. Oh, that's only going to get worse now. But I'm interesting. So so um someone in the live chat Mark has said, if you walk backwards round the track, how do you see where you're going? No, you've misunderstood Mark. <laughs> he simply goes in the opposite direction. Who do you look out for though in a team? Because uh, maybe the drivers are, are, are busy. Do you do you have certain people on each team like you go, I'm going to speak to the the strategist. I'm going to ambush the the tech guy. No, I have people I know well and people I've known for many years and just depending on who's coming the other way. Some, a lot of them are drivers, but not all of them. Um, some teams I have better sources than others and uh, it changes all the time. You know, people move around, uh, people come, people go, you, you build new relationships, um, all this kind of stuff. Um, it's just a sort of ongoing World of change thing. That's the thing about Formula One is that it's a, it's a constantly changing world. And um, so you have to keep up with it. Otherwise, you you know, sort of you fall away and um, and all the people you knew aren't there anymore. Yeah, you can't you can't tell us, can you? You're not going to say which which teams you have better sources at than others. Which teams go running from Joe Saywood? That's what I'd want to know. <laughs> there are one or two of them but and, it would be it, and but of course that'll change now too of course mm. um because all the team principals have been shuffled around recently as you may recall so, um so for, and, force uh, india then still no? force india who's yeah. that come on in the, I mean, in the before aston, time. aston martin are they friends with you now now they're aston martin well they're it's okay i, I don't have a huge amount of time for the boss um because i've um well oh, i'm allowed to say it you know yeah. Yeah, he's he just told me one or two porkies over time, and it's it's not a good plan to tell porkies because after a while I don't trust you anymore, so I don't bother. Because um, I have a I have a rule which is which is very sound rule, which is you don't talk to people who lie to you because if you do, they'll just mislead you. Mm. And if they come up and say, "But you never talk to me," you just say, "Well, you've lied to me too many times, so your problem, not mine." Uh, there was, certainly was some different PR out of there because who was the the team principal uh, before he's gone to Alpine now? Otmar Schaffnauer. Otmar Zaffnauer. Yes. Especially with the stuff around uh, Perez being let go, they did seem to be just two camera saying thing. And when they were caught out, they just went, "Ah, but technically, I I didn't exactly say this thing." And there was sort of an air of like, "Oh, well, what's the con- what's the point listening anymore?" Well, that is the that that was actually the reason I fell out. It was over ah. Otmar because I heard about Otmar a long time in advance that he was going there, and it just kept being denied, denied, denied. And in the end, I said, "Well, it's going to happen." And when it happened, I duly went, "There you go, it's happening." So, what's the point? And so, I, I mean, I talk to people in the team. I don't necessarily talk to the team owner. That's all. Yeah. Um, and you know, Mike Crack, I I have vague memories of him in the old days. Uh, mm. He was he was a fairly junior fellow, but I did know him briefly um and uh he's he seems like a good fellow 
Um, and you know, there's people, there's plenty of people around. You don't need to, you don't have to always talk to the owner or the team principal because there are plenty of other people you can yes. trust. Um, but that's enough about that. Well, sort of no, thing. actually, it's really interesting, like to see where your sources, I'm sure, are pitched at a lot higher than, than ours. But like the teams have got hundreds of people in it. Like we'll often get like the guy who mops up when there's an oil spill or, you know, a front left tire mechanic, you know, just, you know, the Derek's in the team who will listen to the podcast and, and drop in and give us information. And and most of them are pretty honest because they go, you know, they say it's quite compartmentalized. You know, here's, here's my viewpoint from where I am on the shop floor, um, but they don't get, you would think that everyone in the team, all the mechanics know exactly what's going on. It's a big enough organization mm. that actually not all the information filters down. Oh, believe me, over time, I've told people about things that you know, happened to them. <laughs> um, and And I mean, literally, I've told... I've told team principals they're going to be fired and they've laughed at me and a week later they've rung up and said, how did you know that? Um, and, you know, there's things that you, it, all information does not circulate. A lot does, more than appears in the media, obviously. But there's a lot of stuff that's quite quiet too. And the drivers don't always know a lot either, which is quite funny. You know, they are, they are um, in the middle of it all, um, but they're not necessarily being told everything that's happening, which is why you need to have your own networks of information, which is, of course, one of the skills of the job is that uh, when I go around talking to spies, they're all talking to me. And um, what the spies want is information from me. So we go around <laughs> trading and that and that really is how it works. And if you're not part of that trade network, you can't get anything like as much stuff because when you sit down with the team principal who's sensible, they say, what do you know about this? And I go, well, I know this. And they go, oh, okay, well, I've heard this. And you know, that's how it works. Now, it's not always like that. And some of them are still, you know, um, I don't really waste a lot of time with the ones I don't trust. But um, there are some who are very useful. So we've got a question actually from Mike uh, from Matt Woodford on Twitter about this specific topic. Now we do have a lot of great questions here about uh, the new F1 teams coming in and some mm -hmm. specific driver and and team news. It's a surprisingly busy news cycle for January, but since Matt's one is related to this, I'll go with it. Uh, Matt says it's always a highlight for me to hear Uncle Joe's words of wisdom from many years in the paddock, many 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 years in the paddock. Uh, I just want to ask if there are more or fewer genuine motor racing journalists in the paddock these days and which period you enjoyed most as a journalist because obviously is there less journos i mean there's more of me what did you call us lot joe bottom feeders is that what you called us possibly us I don't shed know. dwellers um <laughs> yeah there's a lot less yes it's a dying it's a dying breed the uh on-site formula one journalist because it's just too expensive and after the after the pandemic um a lot of magazines and newspapers realized that they didn't need to send their sort of people. You know, when you're churning out a few hundred words a weekend, you really don't want somebody who's on a big salary to be spending anything between 50 to 100 grand on travel costs in a year. Um, so the newspapers have scaled back a lot. Um, magazines have scaled back a lot. You know, we've got some pretty famous magazines who don't have people at races. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily want to name them, but there's an awful lot of journalists who pretend they're there and aren't. Oh, okay, cool. Well, we'll publish a full list of names in the show notes of, of those journalists. And actually, this is what sets apart your, your blog, and I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke up your crack, but uh, the fact that you are going to every race, your green notebook 
really does sit like a travelogue of your experience and brings people into the paddock. So I'll go and recommend uh, your green notebook. We'll also put a link to that in the in those show notes as well. But I guess you being part of that dying breed does put your PDF publication in in a unique position now as a kind of it, it's almost from another time. And I don't mean that in an insulting way, Joe. No, no, I think that's absolutely right. But, you know, I work on the principle that things go in cycles and some things go out of fashion. Right now, everyone in the world is podcasting. I and mean, we've been doing it for quite a long time, but yeah. everyone in the world is now podcasting away like crazy, aren't they? It definitely wasn't cool when I started doing it or when you started <laughs> joining us as yeah. well. But it is, it is, you know, in a while, people may get bored of the spoken word and want to have old-style magazines again. Probably not, admittedly. <laughs> but then you look at all the rubbish that appears on Twitter or what, or whatever, social media, let's say. There's so much rubbish. Um, and on, on all, the, all, all the websites that are extrapolating what limited information they have. So, you know, you can get, you can get burned out trying to follow it all. Because how do you know what's true and what's not? And the and the bottom line is the, the the only way you can do that is to have people you trust and people you know might have it right, and you know there aren't many of them. So, um, and you know, uh, people use Google Translate a lot too, which is which is another thing. Um, but you know, because yeah. Google Translate, while being a genius invention, um, doesn't always get it a hundred percent right, and uh, sometimes that leads to all kinds of chaos. Before we get to everybody's questions, and they've been flowing in not only in our live patron chat, but also on Twitter and Slack all day as well. A very popular guy, Joe. And if people want an opportunity to hang out for two hours with you on a Zoom call, we have on sale some a limited amount, 50 uh, tickets on sale to the virtual live audiences they've all the previous ones have been very well received were very well in, enjoyed and we've had lots of returning people so if you go to mistapexpodcast.com forward slash joe uh you can buy your ticket it's on the 13th joe the 13th yep. of it's friday the 13th so um you know he'll be he'll get unlucky and he'll finally reveal secrets that'll get him cancelled properly this time not fake twitter cancelled like you try and do every five minutes <laughs> well, I try to avoid it being cancelled by people, but uh, you know, sometimes you just got to say what you think, don't you? But those live audiences are great. They are driven by the attendees' questions. It's very intimate. You have to bring your own drinks because it's over Zoom. Uh, but go and check that out now. And uh, but you, you can go to one in Australia. Uh -huh. That's the next live one. There's a proper live one, which where you don't have to. Well, you do have to buy your own drinks, but. Um, you don't have to bring them with you, you know. So. Uh, and whilst I'm emceeing for Joe and uh, coordinating the virtual one, I haven't been invited to the Melbourne one. But enough about that. Well, you're, you're invited to the Melbourne one. You just have to pay the ticket. You know I don't have money. Mistakefactorpodcast.com forward slash Joe. Let's go to Christopher Fonseca for the first question. who says, Joe, how quickly will Aston Martin implode under the weight of Fernando and Lawrence's egos and whilst that is chris's words not mine i certainly am very skeptical about how fernando alonso fits in to that dynamic well i wouldn't use the word ego as being the problem i would use the word character um <laughs> because they are both um difficult characters you know they're not they don't get on naturally um with right. everybody they are abrasive both of them they can be very charming. Both of them can. But um, I have a vague suspicion that it will not be awfully uh, good relationship. Okay. If only because the team exists for one reason, which isn't because 
Stroll wants to sell Aston Martin road cars. It, that wasn't the original purpose of it. The original purpose is so that Lance Stroll can drive Formula One cars. Yeah. And if Lance Stroll can't beat Fernando Alonso, which is um, a safe bet, I would think. Which is which may be a safe bet. Lance can have his moments. He's quick sometimes, oh, but he's not. He's not the full package. But more importantly, if he does, it's how Alonso reacts that is the problem. Because Alonso will not believe that Lance Stroll is better than him. I'm sure because Alonso believes he's the greatest driver in the world and always has done. Um, and you know, when somebody else beats him, there's always some reason for it in his mind. Which is normal among racing drivers. Yeah. Quite often, they, they 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 need to find some reason as to why they're not the best, or they sort of give up because they realise, ah, okay, I found somebody who can beat me. And it happens to everybody. Every single career um, in Formula One, apart from the ones who went out early, if you like, um, is is one day you meet somebody who's quicker than you. Maybe because you're getting old. Maybe because you weren't good enough in the first place. But everybody has to face that conundrum at some point in their careers and say well what do i do about it i found somebody i can't beat yeah i mean there's some famous examples of people being sort of honest with that i think you had uh, mark weber didn't you saying well uh, you know i'm not going to get any quicker from this point going forward in my career and and probably vettel's probably had to accept that along along the way at ferrari also uh, but it's the nature of the the teammate battles isn't it there's almost like a heavyweight boxing mentality once a driver's beaten by their teammate you know substantially their reputation just seems to just go into the dirt and it's like prize fighters. But that's exactly what it is. It's it's a knockout competition. It's a knockout competition. It's like the World Cup, if you like. <laughs> you know, you can have glitches in that where somebody will win on, in, in a year by accident, group, yeah. like Nico Rosberg won the World Championship, but nobody in the world would ever consider him <laughs> to be an equal of Lewis Hamilton, would they, oh, ultimately? You've not read the internet, Joe, but yes, I agree with you. I may not. I have read the internet a lot, and there's a lot of rubbish out there. But you know, the fact is that Nico Rosberg is not Lewis Hamilton. The reason he quit was because he knew that, yeah, and he knew he could only do it once. So, and and that was because it, Lewis had an engine failure ultimately. Yeah. Um, so you know, these guys, they they come and they go, and it, it, there are some who are delusional. Um, there are some who are dishonest with themselves. But most of them are, are fairly sensible people. And realize that I can't beat this guy, and therefore, you know, what am I doing with the rest of my life? After I've made a part of money, by the way, that's mm. the other thing. But but Lance Stroll is kind of an exception to that, as our chat room is pointing out. Lance Stroll has only ever beaten Sorokin in F1. He doesn't seem to be discouraged. If anything, he kind of he came into his partnership with Vettel with a renewed confidence and seemed to be fighting Vettel very hard. Uh, whereas when he was against Perez, his head seemed a little bit more kind of hanging down from his shoulders. So how much of it is, is Lance himself pushing to, to keep going? Well, that's a very good question. Um, Thank you. I've been doing the, this a while. The, the, <laughs> there's a lot of people... There's a lot of people in Formula One, rightly or wrongly, who think that Lance Stroll actually isn't that particularly bothered about being a Grand Prix driver because he's a multi-billionaire or will inherit yeah. multi, multi-billions from his father at some point, and that ultimately there's a kind of a uh, – he's doing it to please his dad, which I don't know, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I kind of think I kind of think not because yeah, he's, 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 too, he's too good to be doing that and not quite good enough to be a top guy. So, I mean, you can't knock him. He's done. He's he's got some podiums. He was on pole. He led a race, but he's not the full package. And, no. and that's, that is the truth of it. Now, they think, or some people think, that you can learn how to be the full package. Well, they can't. 
that's just something that you have to learn over time. But it's odd because Lawrence Stroll's been around Formula One for 30 years. He should know that. I remember him arriving in 1992. And, you know, he was he was even more brash in those days and loud and and uh, a sponsor with the original Team Lotus. When it turned, if you if you look back at the pictures, you'll see Tommy Hilfiger on the last couple of years of Lotus. And that was him. Ah, that's interesting. I, I tell you what, though, in Lance Stroll's defense, if you think of a driver like an out and out pay driver who literally hands over cash or someone does for their seat, isn't he? He's probably the best like out and out pay driver that I can think of in the time that I've been watching Formula One because he's had unprecedented opportunity. We can't say that he hasn't improved. I would say that there would be an argument if you needed a current F1 driver now in a number two seat, you might, you might hire Lance Stroll if you were. No, 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 I would no, no, no. I, I would say, I mean, I can upset lots of people by naming names and people okay. would say, well, he's not a paid driver, but you know, he's only there for a reason other than, um, sure. Um, yeah. Schumacher. Mick, Mick Schumacher yeah. is a good example of that. Um, Latifi's a pretty good driver too. I have to say, you know, Nicholas was was no fool, um, but again, not the full package. Um, and there's a number of, of people like that. You have to be rich nowadays, or you have to be supported by a Formula One team. You can't just wander in and be and be, you know, be able to sort of find sponsorship outside. It just doesn't happen like that. You've got to basically be picked up by a Formula One young driver program or mm. be a, a son of a rich daddy. So okay. um and generally speaking the sons of the rich daddies don't get picked up by the young driver programs unless they're young driver programs that take people on because they get paid to do it. Um and that's enough about the Ferrari program. <laughs> well it's true. Half of them Yeah yeah half, es- of, them pa- Esteban... half of them paid for the other lot. Because to... Gutierrez you know was a was on the Ferrari program, wasn't he as well? No, I don't no? think so. Um, I thought he was. At some point. I mean, Lance Stroll was on the Ferrari program at one ah, point. I see. Um, but what happened in those days, and I don't know if it's still happening today. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But uh, you you used to pay to be on it if you weren't one of their golden children, mm. and uh, and therefore they basically funded the others. So, or or funded towards the others. Probably is more to the more uh, to the. The point. Our uh, our resident driver pro Brad Philpot describes <laughs> describes a lot of this as pro am. So you've got the drivers like Lance Stroll coming through that actually make the business viable for people to go out and find the talented drivers. Yes, I think that's a a, a fairly fair assessment. Although some of the teams don't do that. Um, so the Mercedes uh, young driver program is based just on pure talent, as far as I can tell. Anyway, mm. Alpine is the same. I haven't seen any any evidence to suggest that there's any money coming in there from the drivers themselves. They literally go out and choose the people they think are good. And of course, Red Bull has always been all about brutal performance in a brutal way. I mean, you know, they are, they are cruel. Yeah. But, but they, they come under lots of flack for that, but it's the pinnacle of of motorsport. Surely it it should be like that. You get your shot. And if the stars don't align and you don't take it, that's you. That's, that's done. I I never really. But but you wouldn't be there without them. So, you know, it's brutal and Mm. it's, you know, they drop you from a very big height, but you know, if you don't, if you can't swim, don't Mm. jump in at the start. Mm. I, yes. Right. No, hang on. I was going to divulge a private conversation there, but I shan't, but I do have firsthand conversation with somebody who actively said, there is no way I would take a Red Bull driver program. And this was from someone going up mm-hmm. the junior series. No way I would take that Red Bull seat because 
it is so brutal and they actively shied away from it. So that is a factor for drivers when they get no, these offers. That, that's very much a mm. factor. And it's also another thing that is a factor is that some of them think that the brutality of it, while being honest, um, if you like, is is such a damaging thing for a driver's uh, mental state. And some of them never get over it, you know, when they when they get kicked out. Because they all think, as, as previously discussed, they all think they're <laughs> the greatest, greatest person in the world. And when somebody says... Actually, you're not. Um, and <laughs> that's and a you very get, specific get, voice. <laughs> and you get fired off into Formula E or some other disastrous oh, um, future. Well, it's true. That just go through the Red Bull drivers who are in Formula E. I mean, you know. Um, no, calling Formula E a disastrous <laughs> series. No, I didn't call it a disastrous oh. series. It's a disastrous outcome for oh, a career. Okay. That's different. Um, but it's not it well. It's an interesting argument, isn't it, I suppose? Yes, we could have that how's argument. The t- how's the TV viewing figures doing? Are they any good? Oh, people tuning into the live stream, oh. Joe. I, I try not to uh, to focus on it I'm too much. I'm talking about Formula E. Oh, know. I see. Sorry, I thought you meant our little live stream. Sorry, I was watching the live stream figures. Um, no, I think it has been going down. And I, I do feel bad for Formula E because it, it's got so much potential. But people need to kind of forgive the, the lack of outright speed and understand what it is they're doing. And then for order, in order for them to make up for it, they, I feel like they have to kind of go to these street tracks because they couldn't put those cars in Silverstone or, or Brands Hatch or Donington but because it was, would show how slow they, they were. They, they were told this at the beginning. Yeah. This was not going you know, Formula 4 speed is not going to be impressive. Yeah. Um, now they've got faster cars and it'll be interesting to see what they do. But you know, even so, they don't want to put their cars on a, on a track that they can be compared with anything else. So it's a bit like, you know, you read the rumours about... Um, what was what I read the other day, which was marvellously silly? Oh, yes, having IndyCar and Formula One on the same circuits. Well, that would be a disaster for IndyCar. Yeah. Because while they are very fast cars on an oval, and, you know, you can always go to the top speed and say, look, that's far faster than Formula One. And people do that all the time. But when you watch them wallowing around the corners on a street track, and believe me, well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see some of that with NASCAR this next summer when they go to Chicago on a street track, you are talking about wallowing around the corners. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. These things are going to look mm. like complete pigs. Um, not to mention pushing back the, the armco, but not the armco, sorry, the concrete barriers uh, considerably if they actually go off because these things weigh t- twice as much as the concrete barriers. So there's, I mean, there's all kinds of silly mm. things that people you, you read. Um, and, but formula one overall, you know, just whizzing around these tracks. They're, they're jolly fast cars. What? <laughs> and, you know, while the people in Formula E are very, most of them are very talented drivers. I'm not knocking that. I just think the concept of what it's been for the last few years and where it's going in the future, I'm still not sure. Because- I really hope it. I hope it goes somewhere. Because you say the drivers, it's probably one of the most talented grids in motorsport, isn't it? Yes, it probably is. But the, the point is not that. The point is that when it gets to the, the, the time in which everything switches to electric, gee whiz, guess what's going to happen? Formula One switches to electric, that, full yeah. electric cars. What's going to happen to Formula E? Um, <clears throat> lots of blum, 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 rum, rum, rum noises, and, and that will be <laughs> the end of that. Yeah. Um, because they're not going to adopt a championship that nobody ever watches. Yep. Uh, to get back to the question, though, you have taken us on a lovely meandering journey through motorsport, though. Uh, I just want to go back to Alpine for, for a second and go, I think Al- mm-hmm. I think Fernando Alonso is still like one of the genuine talents in, in Formula One. And it's been sort of weird to see him floundering around in the, the Honda McLaren era and, and, and 
look at his performance still against, you know, a, a much fancied Esteban Ocon, not not by you uh, necessarily, but you know, he's I, considered I think a he's talent. Great. And I and think it, he's great. Uh, it, points aside, and and the way things went out aside, you'd be hard pressed to look at the lap times, look at how that season went across, watch the races on the live timings. And say that Fernando Alonso was not the better driver at 55 years old or whatever he is now. So like he's going to go there and be better than Lance Stroll. If he doesn't, the universe is is flipped upside down. Of course. But you know, Fernando Alonso has enormous natural talent. And many people in Formula One would say that Fernando Alonso should have won five world championships. He didn't. He won two. Why? Because mm. he made a bunch of lousy decisions. <laughs> as to where to go. And there's some people who might argue that this is a new lousy decision on his part. He's not a people pleaser, is he? That's the impression I get. I, I, he wants to please people, but he just sometimes doesn't know how to because he's so, he's so um, aggressively mm. competitive that it tends to trip him up. And, you know, the, the fact, what, why would you leave Alpine and go to Aston Martin? It's not about money. It's about, it's about basically being... I would think he would feel disrespected by Alpine because they were considering hiring a, a Piastri rather than him. It was a difficult, they got themselves into a difficult situation mm. um, of having to choose between the two. And in the end, they lost both as a result of that difficult situation. But the, the reason they lost um, Alonso was because he, he was offered something else and it was a great, I can screw them on this one. Good. I'll do that. <laughs> So you think he cut his nose off a bit? Because where did Aston Martin yes, finish? Yes, he's always, he's always done that. Where Sorry. did Aston Martin finish this season? Seventh? Uh, Eighth? Fifth. I oh, think. fifth, is it? Oh, okay. Was it, it fifth? I can't remember. Well, McLaren was fourth. No, Alpine. Alpine was fourth. McLaren fifth. Aston, yeah. I guess, was sixth. But only by the skin of their teeth. Because they had equal points with whoever the other one was. And... Mm. Um, brain gone, sorry. Um, they had equal points and it was, it was all a bit of a... Um, counting back kind of thing. I mean, in fact, to be fair, I, I think, you know, the, 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 they kept on going, developing, and the others backed off. Mm. So they came rushing in at the end, and they, oh, were quite lucky. they were quite lucky to get up as high as they did, in a way. All right. They may suffer for that next year from in putting in too much in at the end of last year. I don't, you know, we'll have to see how the money goes, I suppose. Well, enough of I'm these not... old, boring, existing teams, Joe. Should we talk about some new teams? Well, you can do it. It might be a very boring conversation. Hang on, I have to press a button and there's music and flashing lights and all sorts. Let's put it in the form of an interesting question, Joe, from Jack and Simon. Jack Reeves says, what does Joe make of the FIA president talking about adding new teams? And then Simon wants to follow that up by saying, what does Joe think would be the best way to add new teams, assuming that you would want to add new teams at all. So starting with Jack, um, Mohammed Ben Suleiman comes out and says, we are exploring ways for new applications to come into F1. So that means my dream will finally be realised of a 30-car grid. Okay. Well, what Mohammed Ben Suleiman has said is that they are looking at a way to ask for expressions of interest. That doesn't mean they're accepting entries. That means they want people to put forward a dossier to see if there's enough interest to have a competition to then win. There are two available, in theory, two available uh, entries. Having said that, the expression of interest to get to the next level of the competition is just one step. Then you've got to go beyond that um, and prove that you are 
worth having. Formula One doesn't want to have dead ducks. And if you look back, the history of new teams in Formula One has been one of teams that die. Now, it's a bit different now because you have a situation where they will get a share of the prize money immediately if they paid 200 million up front, which is people say you can't do that. But actually you can because your new teams are taking money away from the existing teams who've all invested a lot in the, in the, in the sport. And there's no reason that a new team should be given the advantages that old teams have earned. So um, if there is anybody who's got the money, the people, the factory, the package, the engine deal, the sponsorship to convince the FIA and FOM, by the way, because they need to have commercial agreements, um, that they will add value to the sport, then there may be some new entries. But I'm not entirely sure, unless there's a manufacturer out there planning his own team or their own team or its own team or whatever, him, it, whatever we're supposed to say these days. Good good effort. Good good try. (laughs) Um, we'll have to see. Maybe I, I tend to think there's two there's two feelings I have. One is that Ben Salim is playing to the crowd and he's sort of saying, you know, we don't want this image of us rejecting new people, but we will anyway in time. Um, or there is a manufacturer out there who's decided that they can't do it their own way and wants to have an entry. Um, I'm not sure that the Andretti package that I know of thus far is necessarily sensible because you know to set up a team that is building cars in america just doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. um look how much and, they struggle in switzerland and italy with well with staff yeah and exactly it's i think the thing is that the level of what is needed is something that not all the people outside formula one understand just how mm. you know andretti has not won a championship in indycar for 10 years They've won the Indy 500 occasionally. I think the last time they won was 13 or something. It's been Penske and Ganassi. So they are the third best IndyCar team, although to be quite honest, nowadays with the oncoming McLaren, they might be the fourth best team uh, this year. So we shall see. I mean, does that mean, yes, Andretti's a famous racing name um, to people who of a certain age remember Mario Andretti or Michael Andretti to some extent, but it's not a global brand in the way that perhaps they think it is. Um, I I don't know. We'll have to see how it all develops, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if the expressions of interest don't result in anything, unless there's a a manufacturer out there. Like if Honda has decided that they don't want to go um, have a relationship they want to do it themselves. And they're the most likely ones because, you know, they're not the kind of people, weirdly, they're, they're, you know, they're not the kind of people who who brand um, their engines or, or brand someone else's engines, mm. whereas a lot of the others would do that. Um, and Porsche is the same thing, actually. Porsche, the idea of Porsche going into bed with Red Bull never really made much sense because Porsche always does its own thing. And there's reasons for that. One is... That they want the technology. Mm. Secondly, they want the engineers to be trained up in the thinking of Formula One, so that they can take that back into the main company, and you know, wake people up. Because you know, that's what always been Honda's thing: get the engineers to work at Formula One speed. And when they go back into the industry, they are much more useful um, than they were previously. See, there's a lot of names there uh, floating about. I want to get to the heart of maybe some of the motivation, and um, and I butchered the pronunciation of the FIA president there, so help me. It's uh, Mohammed Ben 
Salayam. Is that Ben Salayam? Yeah. yeah, Ben Salayam. It can be Ben or Ben. But, okay, but Ben Salayam. Um, what's his motivation for making that statement? You know, out loud. What? what I mean, he didn't well, I have think to it, say it, it just shows that he's he he's showing that look, the FIA, i.e., me, is open to uh, looking at new new people, whereas most people have already sort of said, "Man, not really." Um, because there's all kinds of elements that you need to think about. For example, um, the racing circuits do not have the space for more teams. Aww. You know, no, it's true, but who's going who's gonna to pay for them to build bigger pit lanes? Isn't there who's just gonna, more money uh, in F1? The American dream. One, yeah, but the, the, the promoters don't get it. <laughs> one Las Vegas general uh, entry admission yeah, could but pay who for gets all those pits. All, who, who gets all the money? I don't know, Joe. That's why you're here to tell me. The Who Formula the One group is uh, the one that makes the money. So Liberty. they Liberty. Now, Liberty, um, they might be happy to, because they've bought some land and they've probably got some space. But, you know, if you're Zandvoort, there's no way you can put any more. Um, you haven't got any money anyway. You're giving all your money to the Formula One group. There's nowhere else to put any new garages. So where are these new teams going to go? You know, and, and look at the freight we're in an environmental situation already trying to transfer all this stuff around the world without making a horrible mess of everything. Um, mm. If you have another 40 or 50 containers or whatever it takes to have all these extra teams, is that really helpful? And are they really going to be a benefit for Formula One? If they're not a benefit, okay, if it's if it's uh, an American team and it wins in, in you know this century, um, then it would have a value. Just having an American team in the midfield, nobody cares about who's in the midfield. Nobody cares. Well, not at the moment because the gap is so big. It's only so about big. winners. It's only about winners. Surely, when this, re- this this regulation set has time to settle in, this is the, this is the regulation set. But with the, the, but the regulation set is already set. Yeah, but with the cost cap, surely this has got the most potential for teams to catch up over the course of the regulation set. Well, you have, yeah, you do, but you've you've also got these aerodynamic rules that are self-defeating. In other words, the more successful you are, the, uh, the less yeah. wind tunnel time you get. It's basically designed to balance things up so it all gets closer racing without yeah. being too silly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, we've only got until the end of 25, in which point after 25, there'll be a revamp of everything. And then you'll probably find one lot is ahead again by a long way. You need to have, in order to have really close racing, you need to have long-established um, formulae that have yes. rules where the information and the knowledge has spread between the teams by people moving around by whatever means it is taken. Uh, if in the case of Aston Martin, you just you copy other people's cars, not in any, not in any, um, in any illegal way, because you're allowed to copy the design of it. You just can't uh, take their CAD cam and you can't take photographs of it and reconstitute them as cam. Oh, I, can, I can hear my law- the lawyer's pen. No, you dropping. can't, because that's no, all. Sure? Everything I've said there oh, okay. is perfectly cool. reasonable. Right. Well, did last year's car look like a Mercedes or not? That um, was, no, was a Red Bull, wasn't it, last year? Yeah, yeah, you're before. thinking of the 2020, was it, Aston Martin? Yeah. I mean, the thing is that that's the fastest way. The fastest way to get up to speed is to copy somebody who's quick. But, to, you know, there's subtlety involved here somewhere, and there wasn't much subtlety involved in either of them. Um, but, you know, and it hasn't really been that successful because, you know, where were they in the championship last year? So they spent an awful lot of money. But would they have got to that level 
if they'd just gone on in their own path developing their own things probably not who knows that's an in you know we can't answer that question Okay, well, maybe we can answer Brad's question. I could segue me. Okay, so uh, on Twitter, our own Brad Philpott has asked a question, as has um, Immy, about the cost cap. So I think that's a good place to go next. Mm-hmm. Brad mm-hmm. says, question for J-Dog. I think that's going to stick. Will the cost cap survive 2023? And Immy asks, will Red Bull stay within the budget? And if hypothetically they have another minor breach in for 2022 i think is the implication what would the consequences be has the fia invested more personnel uh, into this side or any independent fir- firms to help them police it so i think these two questioners really putting the cost cap on trial how's it gone will it stay quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The cost cap is fine. Um, the transgressions um, that came out at the end of this last year were minor in the extreme. And whether they had any impact on performance is highly arguable. Where there was a massive failure uh, by the FIA was in countering the stories that were being put out by rival teams saying this is going to happen, that's going to happen, you know, this will re- this will change the, uh, the rules for last year, this year, next year, whatever. There was a lot of tosh being talked. And it built this thing up into a situation whereby in the end, they had to punish Red Bull in a way, in a severe way, even if, I mean, Red Bull screwed up a few bits and bobs, least of all, forgetting to have a tax, um, you know, they had the ability to to have a, a tax rebate. Yeah, wasn't it 13 areas, though, Joe? Wasn't it 13 separate Yes, but areas? they were 13 minor areas, and they were not a lot of money in, in when all you consider things. And the fact is that Everybody now realizes, because the FIA punished them to such a level, is you're not going to do it again. 
they weren't doing it this year. They weren't. The, the FIA said we're, they're not trying. You know, they weren't. They weren't doing anything bad. They just got it wrong. So the other thing was that the regulation was very, very flabby um, last okay. year, and it needed to be shrunk down so people understood what it actually meant. And there weren't areas, the grey areas, like is catering included? This kind, of, all this stuff that people made into stuff that wasn't there. Um, at the end of the day. I think it worked pretty well, and I think it'll go on working pretty well. And anybody, anybody yeah. who, you know, if anyone who thinks that getting rid of the cost cap is a good idea is mad because that's destroying the value of the teams. Can I challenge? Can I kind of do a you challenge? Can challenge away okay. as much as you like. Okay. I probably won't change my view. Okay. But there you are. So you say like Red Bull, they weren't trying to. It's all just an unfortunate thirteen misunderstandings, right? Uh, but no, no, no. But these are minor, tiny little things. Um, but are Red Bull by their nature? a team that basically challenges the authorities to discipline them. Like they push every no, area. No, no, no. What they do is they push in every area. That's, That's what not I just challenging. said. No, no, but it's not the same thing. <laughs> what you just said is, are they yeah. a team that, that pushes for the challenge? No, they're not pushing for a challenge. They're pushing to win. Now yeah. they push to win and they have a different, just as a gray area is a gray area in the technical regulations. There were gray areas in the financial regulations that they wanted to sound out and see if they could get away with. Right. And they have, and, haven't they? And they didn't get away with it, but they weren't major things. They weren't things that made a huge difference. And then they gave away okay. with that, with the nebulous tax, whatever it was, you know, that they had the chance to actually um, add something they didn't add. So, you know, they need to, they need to brighten up their act a bit. Okay. No question. But teams make mistakes. Ask Alpine about making mistakes. You know, if you could go back in time <laughs> to 2021 and you were yep. Red Bull or Mercedes. Would you would you push those limits, knowing exactly what punishment you would get? Well, you don't know what punishment. You, first no. of all, you didn't know what punishment you're going to get. Secondly, you didn't know what the rules were ultimately, because they kind of changed things along the way as to what was and was not included. So, you know, that's a discussion, and we've had the discussion. We've had the result of the discussion. Red Bull have taken the pain resulting from that discussion. And they won't do it again because they now know exactly <laughs> that yeah, they will come in. They, 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 the numbers they filed were under the under the rules anyway, under the limits yeah. this last year. They are not going to make the same mistake again. They they want their I, wind tunnel time back. I think you do they, it again. I think if you could give them the chance to go back and undo it, they do it again. You reckon? To get the advantage, to keep their 2021 title. And but, then but take you, think, slap on you the think they need they they need the, the catering bill to improve <laughs> that? Yeah, it's ridiculous. So my, it's uh, ridiculous. Someone has asked Stuart in the chat room. She says, "How good is the Red Bull catering, Joe?" <laughs> to be honest, I never go there, so oh. I don't know. Oh. Um, in the old days, it used to be quite good, but um, the thing was, Red Bull were, were far too generous to everybody, so everybody was allowed to go and eat there. And oh. then when when the pandemic came along, um they realized that this was a good opportunity to stop that happening. Uh, and so they stopped all the paddock hangers on going there. Um, yeah. And consequently, they they went a bit the other way, which means even getting in there now is a little bit tough. So it's fine. I meet the people I want outside and whatever. Um, but, you know, it does – a lot of these teams did the same thing, which is they sort of just push everybody away a bit because they, they realize it's quite nice to have areas where there aren't um, – hangers on and the, one of the problems we also have at the moment is there's many many more hangers on 
because Liberty Media is selling tickets to get into the paddock now uh, with the paddock club. Yeah. And so the paddock, the paddocks are full of people, which means that getting your job done is quite hard because people don't hang out anymore. You don't see drivers anymore. They're trying to avoid that area. Well, they yeah. can't because if you're, you know, it's like Gunter Steiner. If you're Gunter Steiner and you try to walk down the path, you're going to get mugged. You get you get mugged yeah. by a thousand people wanting your selfie and you know your babies or whatever they want. You know, it's it's just impossible to actually operate. So everybody hides now. So it makes it even harder for everybody else, um, the working people. Um, and there's always the engineering meetings and the marketing meetings and the sponsor meetings and the meeting meetings and the meetings to discuss when to have a meeting, all this kind of stuff going on. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult, but um, yeah. obviously if the bottom line goes up, the value goes up, everyone gets more money apart from people who don't. Um, and um, there you are. Okay. Everyone's happy. And I'll tell you what, when, when the financial numbers come out in about a month from now, for last year everyone's going to go wow haven't they done well because it will be 20 percent up okay well that's good the, reven- the, the revenues will be 20 percent if it's, and that means if, that everybody yeah teams team wise uh fia wise uh fom wise everybody 20 percent up is great media wise it's not it's like 20 percent down because the travel expenses are even more oh i see yeah we, and we don't get extra money by the number of races so you know, it's it's just it's a difficult thing. You're gonna to have to start outsourcing, Joe. You can't go to twenty eight races or what it is, whatever it's gonna be in a few years' time. You you need to outsource it to a talented. No, but by then I shall have happily retired. Oh really? Oh, so okay. um well, you know, there's a limit to how much you can do this thing. And um nowadays travelling is not as much fun as it used to be. If any of you have been travelling recently, you'll know that the airports don't have the right number of staff to do the job properly. Airlines are skimping and Everything is costing huge amounts of money more because they're all trying to make back the money they lost, and it's not fun. Yeah, and, and it's not it's not like it used to be anyway. No, and my weird little black passport doesn't seem to work quite as well as it did several years ago. That's uh, for another day, Joe. A winch for another time. Oh well, I, I have a I have a purple passport for that time. Rub it in, Joe. <laughs> Let's move on to some of the the drivers. We've got about another ten minutes with you, Joe. So I'll I'll chunk through some of these these questions if that's okay and uh, don't forget if you want to be in an intimate zoom space with joe come and join us for uh, the live audience which is on friday the 13th mrapexpodcast.com forward slash joe check that out see if a ticket for that event is right for you two hours starting from 8 p.m uk time and let's see tom power says happy new year guys Happy New Year to you, Tom. Happy New Year. How long will Lando Norris stay at McLaren before jumping to Sauber or Audi? Why would you jump to Sauber or Audi? I don't think Lando Norris seems like a very happy chap. Whenever you talk to him about his his clan, if you like, the class of, you know, 19 or whatever, you know, he always seems quite quite bitter. Everybody else who came through with him seems to have had their shot at a top team, Russell, Albon, Verstappen, etc., he always seems quite quite grumpy about his position on the grid at the moment. Well, that's because McLaren aren't doing a good enough job. But they did a good job when he arrived, and they've created this image of him being fantastic. But they also have him under contract for a number of years to come. So, um, you know, quite rightly so. And he's, you know, he's the team number one there for a while. Um, see what Oscar does. But, um, you know, he's... He's going to be hard pressed to find a similar situation in another team, even 
take into account the contractual situation. So he's he's still only 12 years old, remember? Yeah. And, you know, he's he's got years to come. So just like a, a lot of these guys are very, very young still, we forget how young they are. And so we're in a we're in a phase at the moment where everyone's in a sort of holding pattern and some of them will get some of their careers will get wiped out in the years ahead um just by coming up against other people who are better than they are um and we have to see you know we have to see how piastri does against lando for example that's an interesting one um gasly ocon obviously that's a very good one. Oh yeah um, geez that's gotta be gasly <gasps> gasly 100 percent you reckon? Yeah, come in by by Barcelona. He's on top of Ocon. He's got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see about that. Um, <laughs> we got to look at um, Mercedes as well. Oh, you know, yeah. we've got we've got uh, Lewis can't go on forever. I mean, he will go on for a long time yet, I think, but he can't go on forever. And you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for youngsters to come in and, and break through. Um, but you know, things change. Things move on. You've got to be beating your teammate. Look at Daniel Ricciardo. Three years ago, Daniel Ricciardo, you know, couldn't do any wrong. Mm. And where is he now? Cashing in at Red Bull. Well, I think he's doing the right thing, to be honest, but that's another story. He's not leaving he's... F1 poor, is he? He's old Ricciardo. No, of course not. None mm. of them are leaving F1 <laughs> poor, but but apart from the Stroll family, maybe. But um, <laughs> the well, <laughs> they keep on going, spending at this rate, they might be. Um I think if you look at the way in which uh, his confidence has been destroyed in the last couple of years, being a test driver, a reserve driver, is a very good way of learning that you're just as good as the good guys. Again, mm-hmm. um, nobody knows. He doesn't know. McLaren don't know. Nobody understands what happened at McLaren. Why wasn't he any good? But he wasn't any good. There's no question about it. He didn't deliver. And he was lucky, you know, he won a race, he wasn't lucky, but he won a race that first year, which was kept the contract going. But the second year, there wasn't even a glimmer of that ever happening. Yeah. So what did the Mighty Ducks do when they were struggling? They went to the streets and played street hockey to get their form back. That's what exactly. Daniel Ricciardo is doing. He's being well, a exactly, Mighty yeah, Duck. I think it's to do with confidence. And I, I can't remember if I mentioned it before, but Olivier Panis did this way, way back um, in the in the Prost era. Um and he'd been completely destroyed by uh, his confidence was gone. And it was 1989, 1990, actually, because it was the drive. He turned down a Williams drive uh, that Jensen Button took. Uh, he turned that drive down oh, no. and went to be the reserve driver at McLaren, which at that time was quite successful. And he learned that he was as quick as Hakkinen and Coulthard. And then he had a much longer career after that coming back. And I think he had another six or seven seasons. Um, having you know realized and revived his uh, um, belief in his own ability, if you like. So I think that you know Daniel is Daniel's older than a lot of them, but he's still not old in modern terms compared to the Alonzos and Hamiltons of the world. <laughs> you know, but they again they can't go on forever. No, and like Lewis Hamilton, I, I'm sorry I can't credit the publication, but there was a quote that he was talking about how oh the, the end isn't that far away, and sometimes I get up and I think do I want to do want do I want to do this anymore? And that's perfectly normal for a a 35-year-old? How old is he? 34, 35? But, you know, those thoughts to hear... I think you need to add something there. A 35-year-old um, multi-squillionaire who's yeah. achieved an awful lot. Um, you know, a lot of them are hungry because they haven't achieved a lot. Oh, 37. Were, not, 37 not, many of them, not many of them mm. um, uh, lose their appetite because they haven't got enough money. <laughs> um, they, they tend to have plenty of money. Yeah. Um, but 
And some of them have some funny ideas. I won't name any specific names. But some of them think that when they leave Formula One, they're going to build careers changing the world um, and, you know, turning turning forests into even greener things. Well, you've been very specific there. So you didn't. No, I haven't. To... I could be talking about Nico Rosberg as well. But. But, you're, but, the fact it's, that, but it's the, the fact other is what what people what people don't realize yeah. is that their platform is formula one and once they walk off that platform honestly nobody gives a monkey and this is what they all have to learn there is a reset that they need to understand that is they're not going to be famous after they leave formula one just because they are campaigners at this and whatever you have to have properly structured things that have been built up over time, which is what Lewis is doing, actually. Lewis is very cleverly building up businesses um, that he can move on to, be that film, fashion, whatever he wants, you know, whatever his thing is. He's he's or his people around him are building up a future for him that is that, that gives him a sense of purpose afterwards without having to rely on his fame. Mm. Yeah, the question was about Lando Norris, though, so zero points. Yeah, but the Lando Norris so. thing. I mean, Lando Norris, Lando Norris, who knows? You know, we'll have to wait and see. You, he's quick. Do I get the boy? The, the boy's quick. He's quick, but you don't seem, like, overwhelmed. You seem exactly whelmed by Lando no, Norris. No, to be honest with Lando, I think he's really quick, uh, but I don't know how quick because he's mm. never been up against somebody who's, who's really um, been able to – I mean, we, we we've always known that Daniel wasn't as quick as – some of the others in qualifying always known that great racer, but never a great qualifier. Um, but we, we, we've never had a proper sort of yardstick in formula one for Lando. So I'm waiting mm. to see, see how he does with Oscar. And, but I mean, I, I've been really impressed by Lando in the last couple of years, but he is, he's still quite young, but I think also he plays the young card quite well. Cause he's, he's a fairly tough cookie. He knows what he's up to. You know, he knows he knows what he's doing. Yeah, you've got to be able to dominate a team and be embedded there. And McLaren does seem to revolve around Lando Norris right now. And that's smart. And that's why you wouldn't want to leave. Well, it's smart if the team's going in the right direction, unfortunately. Mm. Well, that's the gamble. The, the gamble is mm. that, yes. The car company is not in great shape. Um, and the Formula One team has been going backwards. So we have to see. We have to see how it goes. I mean, there is still a top name, a top team. But moving up and down the ladder in Formula One is a really tough thing to do. And, you know, and it gets tougher as over the years because the cycle of success and failure is longer than it used to be. It takes more time to build up and more time to, to slide away. You know all the, the TV people, don't you, Joe? Uh, yeah. A lot, yes. Can you tell them all to stop trying to bance with Lando Norris because you've turned him into grumpy Lando Norris and he's just got fed up with middle-aged people trying to match his humour. So if you tell them to all just leave him alone so he can have funny Lando back, that would be amazing. I think, well, I don't know. I, I, I always find Lando quite <laughs> funny. Um, he always says strange things, uh, which I which I like. Absurd. And I say strange it's, things it's to him sometimes, which, yeah. which he, he, he sort of occasionally I'll whip his head around with some remark um, that he didn't expect. You know, so it's quite fun. I like him anyway. He's a good fella. Oh, you've upset certain parts of our live chat, Joe. No, have oh, I? What have I done now? You said that he hasn't been tested. Were signs not a good yardstick? Signs not good enough for you, Joe? Uh, Carlos signs. Yes, I do know junior carlos science junior because i explained um yes i well carlos science is there at ferrari and the numbers kind of stack up in leclerc's favor don't they yes they do um therefore you can say that maybe 
I mean, although Carlos is really good, I've got a lot of time for Carlos. I'm not sure that he has the ultimate pace on a consistent basis. I mean, Leclerc's got got weaknesses, and Carlos has got weaknesses too. They both made lots of mistakes last year. But, you know, it's a bit like the Barrichello-Schumacher era, you know, where they don't want two number ones. Two number ones is never very good. But what they really want is a really good number one and a half. And, and yes. well, that's that's really Gerhard Berger was a was a one and a half. Um, Barrichello was Eddie Irvine was one and a quarter. Um, <laughs> Until they actually needed him to win races, and then mysteriously he couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know that's you know you, there are there are a level of drivers who are the superstars, and we have to you just have to go through and find out who they are. Now, Carlos. Maybe, maybe next year Carlos will get it all together and start beating Charles. Who knows? But fundamentally, if you look at the numbers, and all the teams do this statistically, they analyze everything. And, you know, Charles is up there with the fastest of the fast in terms of his lap times. Max is number one. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, But I think on the most recent assessments I've heard about, uh, Charles is number two. Okay, hang on. When you say out-and-out well, out pace, quality pace? All things considered pace. Okay. They, they, I mean, these, we're talking about teams are incredible. What do you think all these people do at teams? They know. spend their life analyzing everything and how to make it better. So they analyze everything to the nth degree, and that includes other drivers. Just find out who is actually, who are the really quick boys who have got that extra magical tenth. The interesting thing is that right now a lot of them have got the the extra magical tenth, but then it's a matter of who's got the magical hundredth after that. Uh, yeah, I just I, I don't think there's ever been such a split though between like what you can do on a Saturday and what you can do on a Sunday. And I still just have this gut feeling, and people will say, "Oh, I'm biased and I'm fosy British bias," but I just I feel like Lewis Hamilton on a Sunday, even now when you see his race pace lap, watch the lap times against George Russell during similar stints. He just still feels like that Sunday monster. Mm-hmm. That's a, an interesting and fair assessment. Although there are days like in Brazil, for example, where Lewis can get near him. So, you know, you have to look at it over a period of time. You have to look at it statistically, which is what they all do. <laughs> um, but, you know, I I mean, they're all what what people forget is just how good all these guys are. They're all good. Even Lance Stroll, even Nicholas yeah. Latifi was good. They're all really good. It's just that some of them are really gooder than others. All right. Well, what you seem to be saying is the statistical analysis of industry F1 experts using statistical analysis is better than my gut feeling that Lewis Hamilton's quite quick on a Sunday. I'm upset by that. I think I think that is a sound assessment of the argument between science and art, isn't it? Okay, I'll accept that. Time for three. You're, you're an artist, Spanners. And the, but the scientists will nail you with their statistics. I do. We have time for three quickish fire questions. If I fire them at you, boom, yeah, boom, yeah, boom. Yeah, okay, so they don't need to be super in depth here. But Bob says, "What's Jay Drizzle's thought?" That's you, Joe. What's Jay Drizzle's thought on how much misery Ferrari fans, poor Ferrari fans, should expect for the upcoming season? Can Vassour bring some order to the madness? No, next question. Okay, good. Oh, poor Ferrari fans, though. I do feel bad. Like you, I know you're the enemy to Fosse. That's never going to change. However, I, I do feel. I do feel. No, for no, you. It's, it's got nothing about enemy or anything. It's to do with the it fact has. that is is he the right choice 
to run that team. Yeah. I don't think so. I'm not saying he doesn't have any ability. I'm just saying I don't think he's the right man to run that team. And I may be wrong. He may prove me wrong. I hope he does in lots of ways because when Ferrari wins, Formula One's always healthier. But it's been a very long time since they've won. And yeah, I was going to say, see... who remembers? <laughs> who remembers well, that? I, I do because I was uh, there. I'm too um, young. Too young. <laughs> but but it, is, it is a very, very difficult thing to do. And Bonotto didn't do it perfectly, but he did a very decent job, except on certain elements, which is you know the actual operational stuff. But I'm not sure that that, that the skill set um, is right for the job. So that's my opinion. And you can say I'm an idiot when it all comes right and it all works out brilliantly. But they had the fastest car last year and they didn't yeah, win the World Championship. So. No, I'm with you. It's not good, is it? Okay, uh, second of the quickfire ones. Daz the Gardener asks, um, are the race fees rising for promoters like Silverstone? Because the tickets are, oh my goodness, the ticket prices, Joe. They're absolutely insane. The BRDC has often claimed to make not much from hosting the F1, but how much is not much? Thanks. I had a shock, and they had this dynamic pricing at Silverstone, uh, which seemed pretty gross from a consumer point of view. Uh, I, I'll sit here and stand just, to be corrected. Just, but, just, oh. just thank you, lucky stars, you're not an American. Las Vegas, my goodness, $2,000. The, the, num- the numbers of what people are willing to pay for everything, yeah. not just the tickets, hotels. They can't, you know, a lot of English fans can drive in because it's a small country, you know, but you go to you can't drive to vegas every day you've got to go stay in one of their hotels it's a nightmare and so but i don't know because i don't do this but have you tried to buy a ticket at center court wimbledon for the final have you tried to buy a ticket for the sure for the i i bought tickets or for uh rolling stones concerts i mean yep. they're all insane numbers yeah the, and, the, and, the, and yeah. the five nations rugby they're all mad numbers now yeah the, and that's because business has mm. taken over sport so what do we do about it? We watch it on television um, or whatever. I mean, I know it's not much fun and you leave the thing to the corporate, um, you know, all the, all the tickets of being there to the corpies and let them get on with it. Just become a corpie, I suppose. Yeah. Or just uh, leverage celebrity contacts to get paddock club invites. Something like that. Yes. Leverage. I hate that word. It's horrid, isn't it? Okay. Uh, the next question isn't horrid. Thanks for that, Daz. And this will be the final one. Mike Stoner asks, is the Chinese Grand Prix ever going to make a comeback? Uh, I don't think it's going to make a comeback in 2023 because the reason they called it off was the fact that you need to set stuff sailing off to China in order to be there. Ah. So there was a deadline by which a decision had to be made. And the fact that China has opened up a few borders, although, hang on a minute, um, there's still an incredibly... um, I mean, they say they're going to lift all restrictions going into China, but then everyone else is going, hang on a minute, we don't want your people coming here. So they have, they're putting tests in place, and the mm. Chinese are now, as of yesterday, Ret- are saying, well, we're yeah. going to retaliate yeah. with tests. Well, yeah. you do that. And, and you know, it's the whole thing, not to mention the fact that their COVID numbers are completely insane and off the clock. So um, I don't think it's going to happen. Now, maybe it's going to happen, maybe, you know, but when? It can't happen in April. It's just too late. It's difficult for someone and like me. And they can't go yeah. later in the season. They've already tried to do that. That's why the calendar took so long to produce. What, no, there's no space. Oh. There's oh, no dates available later gotcha. in the year. Gotcha. So, so, you know, basically we have a bit of a gap around Easter time, which is quite nice for us, believe me. Um, but at the end of the season, there is no room to just let's slip in another little race, shall we? 
you know, it's because it's just Christmas. bang, bang, bang from uh, start of September until Christmas. It's just boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 boom. New Year's Day in Shanghai as the season finale. Well, why not? I mean, you know, apart from the fact that we want some time off, Formula One used to have races in January. Mm. It was in another world. Um, people went off to South Africa to the others to the summer. Kind you on, see, yeah. perpetual summer, and they got paid lots of appearance money in those days to do it. So the drivers were happy. The teams made some money, and they went somewhere where they could sell their old cars. But nowadays, these things—they're not—they're not. They're not the same motivations as they were in those days. So it's difficult. To it's not win on Sunday, sell on Monday anymore. Well, it, 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 well, it is with the old Lotuses. I mean, one of the reasons there are so many old cars around the world, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, all these old vintage cars, because at the end of the season, people would go out to these places and flog everything. It's, it's a good track, though. That's the problem with Shanghai Circuit. It's a good track, and I do miss the track. I've got no strong political opinions one way or the other or concepts of geopolitics, but I miss the Shanghai track. I miss the Malaysian Grand Prix. I want uh, Istanbul on the, the circuit. I want Indian Grand Prix back, the Korean circuit, all those great tilkodromes no, no, that support no, the modern no, F1 car. No, you do yes, not. Yes, I do. Some, I some of those you don't want back, believe me. If you'd ever been to Yeon Gam, um, I'm I'm happy to go to Korea. I think we should be in Korea, but a street a street race in Seoul is the way to do it, not a ridiculous bog in the middle of nowhere. It <laughs> yeah, takes the, four four hours to get there. But the layout, I'm watching it on telly, Joe. I don't traipse around the world in first class like you. But the the <laughs> track suited the modern cars. So did India. You know, that's we want these big tilkadromes back. I don't want to keep going back to. Uh, Portimao and uh, well, we can't and we can't go back to India because there are people living in the, the oh, garages. I think that would nowadays. make it awkward. Um, and we went back to Turkey not so long ago, and it hasn't got much better. So <laughs> I mean, was... it's a fantastic racetrack. I agree, but it's it's Turkey, you know. So it has to fit in with the modern sense of glamour, destination cities, all this sort of stuff. We should be in. I want to go and have a race in Paris. I want to have a race in London. I want to have a race in because the other thing is in order to get to these environmental targets and things, we have to stop having people drive to the races. We need to have trains. We need to have undergrounds. Oh, but street races suck, Joe. Even Verstappen agrees with me. He said it depends, he depends said, on the street race, doesn't it? I think Baku's pretty exciting normally. One in three when there's a safety car at the right time. There's always a safety car. Yeah, okay, that, that saves it. But all the other street races. Now, Monaco, Monaco is is an exception, I think. Monaco is not very good. But, um, you know. Well, I agree. Well, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. You know, it's all done in qualifying, which is why mm. people crash in qualifying and mm. do naughty things. So, um, or allegedly do naughty things. Well, the thing is, on this, on this format, Joe, you, you behave yourself. You say allegedly, you try and, you know, you don't say any naughty words and uh, you don't uh, give away those secrets. However, I do, do say in the live audiences, it, it is a little bit, a little bit looser, shall we say. And we might even pop open a, a bottle of, of Chardonnay at your expense, I assume. So go and check out mistapexpodcast.com forward slash Joe. Join us on Friday. And whilst this is a very kind of, you know, this is my platform and uh, and I butt in whenever the hell I want. Uh, it's very much uh, just uh, Joe yarning. You spin a yarn, Joe, don't you, on these live audiences? Well, I have been known to spin yarns. It's what I do for a living, Spanners. <laughs> 
I'm a yarn spinner. Ah, good. Well, you check that out, Joe, and also check out Joe's green notebook. And I think what I, I may do and set up before the start of the season as well is a, a Ferrari support group call-in. So I might have a call-in just for Ferrari fans and we can sit in a circle. And I'm not going to sit and, and laugh at you guys. It's going to be a safe space, I promise. Uh, you can you follow can, us. Go on, Joe. You want to you be there, Joe? Yeah, I was going to say you could do a co-promotion with Samaritans or something like that, you know. Oh, bless. Uh, look forward to the, the season, Ferrari. This is the best time of year for Ferrari fans because there's always there's always hope. There's always a new season, and that is coming up soon. Follow Missed Apex at Missed Apex F1 on Twitter and our TikTok channel as well. I've started doing some TikToks where I just point it at my face and say things. If that appeals to you, go and follow it there. And also follow uh, me and Joe on Twitter, at Joe Saywood on Twitter and at spanners ready as well we'll see you on sunday feedback at mistapex.net for your mailbag questions we're going to have summers matt and chris joining me in the spiritual shed until we see you next work hard be kind and have fun this was inside f1 with joe saywood Joe, I don't think you're cancelled off the back of that. You survived. No, except my Ferrari fans, I'm telling you. No, I'm sure they'll still let you start 2023. See you later, guys. Have a good one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.